0: Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jeff. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet or you're visiting with us this morning, I'm one of the pastors here. Happy New Year. It's good to be with you this morning, and it's good to, for all of us to be here uh, all together in, in one service. I always love uh, when we can fit into one. We can't do it very often, but I just love the energy of, of all of us uh, being here together. Pastor Dave uh, mentioned in the announcements that we're going to kind of do a, a standalone, kind of one-off message this morning, and then uh, a five-week uh, series in the coming weeks, and then we'll be back to our John series after that. So we're talking about God's Word, and I wanted to do that through talking about Psalm 119. So if you uh, have a copy of Scripture and can turn there, that'll get you at least in the, in the neighborhood Uh, But if you know anything about Psalm 119, you know that that this message is going to be a little different. It's by far the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 verses, uh, approximately uh, 2,500 words. So if we uh, treated it like like any other passage and and read it and then talked about it right, by the time we finished reading the passage, it would be about time uh, to wrap up the sermon so I would think about it more like a survey of Psalm 119, maybe, and, and what it has to say about God's Word for us. Now, it's still going to be uh, what is commonly called exegetical preaching, right? We're still, it's not going to be my ideas, or, or, I, or I have some good thoughts about God's Word, right? It's, no, it's still going to be uh, uh, taking from God's Word what the Holy Spirit has for us, or what the Holy Spirit intended to communicate to us, but I think this will be fun. It's a a fun chance to kind of uh, tackle a broader topic, a a broader uh, chapter, Um, but uh, our specific kind of idea, our big idea this morning we're after is this, is that your engagement with the Bible will transform you in the year ahead. Your engagement with the Bible in 2024 I can't believe it's already 2024. Your engagement with the Bible in 2024 will transform you in the year ahead. I also thought since uh, it's, it's the end of the year, all of us uh, are finishing 2023's Bible reading plan, right? I finished, I cheated. I finished yesterday so I could have today to focus on on this passage, right? All of us are finishing up our next one and have a plan or are beginning that plan tomorrow. Or uh, maybe we're a little tardy and don't quite have a plan for what we're going to do next year. Uh, And that's okay. You are not alone. Fun fact, according to the Pew Research Center, in 2014, when I last polled... uh, people in America who identify as Christians, about their Bible reading, uh, the people who responded at least once a week was up 4% since last time they did it, the poll, in 2007. The not-so-fun fact is that that only elevates us to 45% of Christians saying that they read the Bible at least once a week, leaving 55% of us who do it no more than once or twice a month. And 1% of the people that responded said they didn't know, which is, to me, it was funny. It was like, oh, I have Bible amnesia, I read it, and then it's terrible, and then I remember nothing. I have no idea if I read it or not, right? Really, what happened is they obviously read it so little that they have a hard time remembering, did I read it at least once this last year, or was it once a month or something like that? Maybe you're in that Boat. But my point is, we as as God's people, as the church here in America, have a lot of work to do in this area. We desperately need to be in God's word. And yet the reality is so many of us find it difficult to do weekly, let alone daily, like I would actually encourage. So if it isn't already clear, we need God's help. This year, we need God's help this morning, so let's pray and ask him for that help. Father, thank you for this past year and everything that you've done, and we look to 2024 in anticipation of everything that you will do. As we come to your word, I pray for understanding. I pray um, that we would value it more, not just as a as a book, but your word to us. As the way you've given us to hear you and communicate with you, help me in my preaching to accurately preach what you have for us this morning, what your um, Holy Spirit inspired in your word. Help us to accurately apply and change and and grow according to that same intention, and that we would walk away uh, closer to you Close to your son. We pray all these things in the name of that son. Amen. So like I said, we're going to be in Psalm 119, kind of looking at, at different passages or verses from Psalm 119 mostly. And I only have kind of two big points or two halves to the message this morning. One is compelling reasons to engage with God's word. And then the second half is going to be practical ways to engage with God's word. So I want to start this This morning at verse 129, if you want to make your way to 129, we're going to read a few verses there, and then we'll kind of give and talk about the point. So it says this, verse 129, Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light and imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. You might notice in your copy of scripture, I didn't read it, but there's this word pay just before verse 129. Uh, That's one of the Hebrew letters in the the Hebrew alphabet, the original language the Old Testament was written in. And Psalm 129 is very special because it's it's an acrostic poem. And in this case, that means that each kind of section of Psalm 129 in Hebrew uh, begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So if you knew Hebrew and you were reading this psalm in in your Hebrew Bible, all the sentences in this kind of pay section would start with this letter that didn't uh, make it to English, so that, that you don't see that in your, your English translation. And they did that because, uh, presumably, uh, because this psalm was memorized, and if it's an acrostic, it's much easier to memorize as the different lines go in the order of the alphabet, but Psalm 119, excuse me, Psalm 119 in general is all about God's word. How wonderful it is, the joy it brings, the, how, value, how valuable it is, how the author uh, desires it. And so I think already in this section that we've read, there's a few kind of perks or benefits or reasons to be in God's words this year for us to kind of highlight or for us to sit on. So let's uh, talk about our first point, those compelling reasons to engage with God's word. Compelling reasons to engage with God's word. The section starts with, in verse 129, your testimonies are wonderful. And don't be thrown off by uh, the word testimonies instead of uh, his word or, or scripture or Bible or something like that. As you can imagine, if you had to write a 2500 word poem all about God's word, you'd be looking for as many synonyms as possible for the word word or scripture as much as possible, right? So he's he's whipping out testimonies or laws or all the different words like that. All these things are just synonyms for God's word to us. So when he's saying your testimonies are wonderful, he's talking about generally God's word is pretty great, and then gives us some specifics. So in that next verse, 130, we're told that it gives light. It guides us. That's kind of our first sub-point, is that it gives wisdom and understanding. The Lord of the universe and everything in it has written down for us instruction on how to live. He made us knows how we function, knows what it takes for us to to thrive, and has written it down for us and knows what that requires. We learn to fear the Lord. We, We learn of his love, his wrath, his justice, his mercy, his grace, his wisdom, all of these things through the word. And therefore, we gain wisdom and we gain insight through the word. And so if you want to be wise, and I think our culture would say, even if they're not believers, uh, they, they want to be wise, you get wisdom through the word, through engaging with God's word. Second is that it gives satisfaction. Look at verse 131. It says that the author longs for God's commandment. And then he gives you this kind of illustration about, about opening your mouth and panting. And I think we can uh, kind of get the image right. Uh, so I, I want to see kind of a show of hands. How many of us would say you're a dog person here in the room? We like dogs. Okay, that's, that's quite most of us. Yeah. <laughs> How many of us would say we're cat people? I like cats. Okay, that's a good, that's a good number. How many of us would say we're a, a neither kind of person? Yeah. <laughs> we, would, we, uh, we would fall into that camp with, like, two small kids. We're like, one more thing to do at home is, like, is, like one, one thing too much. And so, so we're kind of out of that, right? But we've all seen dogs. We've all interacted with dogs. What they look like when they are thirsty, right? They're, they're running around after playing fetch or something like that, right? They're, they're sitting there, and they're panting. What do they want more than anything? Water right? They want water more than anything. And that's how we should come to the word. We should be thirsting for it, hungry for it, craving it. Uh, Verse 72, like I said, we're going to be jumping around. I'm going to do our best to um, have them on the screen also. Verse 72 says, the law Of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Better than all the money in the world, sweeter than honey is God's word to us. True satisfaction is found through the word. It's found through the word. Third, it gives righteousness. Verse 133, it gives righteousness. It makes you more righteous, right? It prevents iniquity from having power, dominion, influence over you. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, one of your main goals in life, right, is to be sinning less and be humbler, more like Christ. And you do that in large part through the word. Each and every time we go to God's word, we're reminded of who he is. And we're reminded of the truth of what sin is and the lies and the consequences that it brings. And we're reminded of the blessings of obedience. And that helps us be a little less tempted and return our focus onto what truly matters. Fourth, it gives comfort These next three, I'm going to give uh, really, really quick. It gives comfort, verse 52. When I think of your rules from on old, I take comfort, O Lord. It gives peace, verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Finally, it gives hope, verse 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope, In your word. I hope in your word. I get wisdom, satisfaction, righteousness, comfort, peace, and hope all through God's word. And yet, I think for many of us, we would say that the the current reality of our our Bible reading is is vastly different from that. Either we're not doing it at all, or very little, or we're doing it. And we're not experiencing all of those things. We're going to the Word and not experiencing all those things. When I was uh, in high school, is when I got saved, towards the beginning of my junior year, I initially didn't read God's Word at all and, and was going to church, and that was fine. Uh, but then after the summer of my senior year, so I'm, I'm 18, uh, haven't gone to college yet, so I'm, I'm still at home, I was applying to all sorts of jobs. And even like Walmart and Taco Bell were like, mm, not this guy. He's, he, can't, he can't make tacos. So after like 30 applications or whatever, I just like gave up. Like, okay, no one, no one wants to hire me. Um, so I had a lot of free time on my hands. And that was the first time I, I had this conviction of like, man, I know I'm supposed to live by God's word. And I honestly, having never read it before, I don't know what's in there. Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I was excited to read God's Word. And I was doing that uh, just an hour a day, like rain or or sunshine, on the porch. I'd just be sitting there reading God's Word. And I was getting so much out of it. I was so excited to read. And I was growing so much. And do you think it's still that way every time I open the Word? No, right? Like... That excitement, the kind of honeymoon phase of with God and God's word and all that stuff, it's kind of over, right? I've, I've read this many, many times, studied it many, 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 many hours, and the kind of excitement and anticipation is, is gone. And if I'm honest, it's harder today or harder yesterday than it was all those years ago when there was all that excitement and all those good feelings that came with it. And some people in our church, some people here, are much older than me. They've read it 20, 30, 40, 50 times. And what is it that we can learn from their example? Why do they continually and faithfully read the Word? It's because they know, and I know, and we know, that the benefits Of God's Word go so far beyond an excitement or a good feeling. And so I encourage you, ask them. Some of them are here today. Why do you keep reading the Bible? What keeps you coming back after all of these years? If you had asked me what the kind of number one excuse is for not reading your Bible— I would have said something like, uh, I don't have time. That's probably the one I hear the most. I don't have time. And what you're really saying when you say I don't have time, you're saying uh, it's boring, uh, it doesn't help, or in other words, there's better things that I could be spending my time on. Right? We all have the same amount of time. Some of us are just choosing and saying that there are better things to spend our time on. But of course, if we stopped in the busyness of life and thought about it for a minute, we, the truth would be obvious. What else could we spend our time on that gives us so much, that delivers so much directly to the deepest desires of our heart? But the problem is we don't stop and think. There's so much going on with work and family and hobbies and all these other things that we don't think about it Not that work or hobbies or family is bad, those are all good things too, but not so much that you can't engage with God's word. And so my question for you this morning is, uh, do the places you spend your time do everything for you that God's word would? That true comfort, that true joy, that true wisdom comes through the word. That's why we read, that's what motivates us to read. If I had to pick another reason that people don't read the word, it's because uh, you know, they, they don't know how, not that they don't know how to read, but they don't know how to, to get things out of the Bible, or they don't understand what they're reading. And verse 97 tells us, how very generally, so I want to start there, kind of use that as a launching pad to explain our second point of how do we do it. It says this, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. So the question before us for the rest of the time is, what does it mean? What does it look like? How do we meditate on God's law, God's word all the day? That's our second point. Practical ways to engage with God's word. What are some practical ways to engage with God's word? And if you want to leave that one up for just a second, because I'm going to hop straight to the kind of first subpoint. point. Uh, the first thing you have to do is pick it up. This seems maybe obvious to you. And by the way, if you think, oh man, like, this outline is really clever. Like Jeff is just like on and on fire this morning. It's because it's heavily borrowed from a book called God Wrote a Book. And so I'm kind of standing on the giants that, that came before me. So there you go. That's where my cleverness comes from is, is a thievery. Uh, but right, you have to physically pick up your Bible. When I was um, in seminary and in school, I actually had one one semester of Hebrew in undergrad as a math major, as an elective, and um, I, I want to say eight semesters of Hebrew in, in my MDiv program. Um, but whenever you're learning a new language, right, learning to read and write a new language, where do you start? By learning the alphabet, right? And seminary was a busy time. We were uh, working full time and were expected to be almost full time students, um, so there wasn't a lot of margin for studying and things like that. So we were looking for ways to cut corners however we could. And so a lot of us, my seminary brothers and I, did this to learn the alphabet. We found a recording of someone singing the Hebrew alphabet, and we would play it as we went to sleep the week of our Hebrew alphabet exam. So I, (laughs) I went to sleep Hearing Aleph, Bet, Vet, alif Bet, Vet, Gimbal, Dalet, Gimbal, Dalet, For a lot of you, that's the last time you'll ever hear me sing. <laughs> and like magic, when the day of the test came, I woke up and I knew the Hebrew alphabet. And I, I basically did nothing, right? God's word is not like that. It doesn't matter how many Bibles you own. Now, how many are on your shelf at home or if you put it under your pillow when you go to sleep at night or even if you play it out loud as you go to sleep at night like I did? That will not help you to know God any better. You have to physically pick it up. You have to pick it up and focus on it and read it. So you have to pick it up. And then you have to size it up. When you read any other book, right, you can just pick it up and read it. It doesn't dictate how you live your life. But God's word is different, right? First of all, it is God's word. So we need to think about it differently than we think about any other book. We have to have our our hearts and our minds and all the different benefits of the book that we were just talking about and all the things we talked about kind of anticipating those things as we come to it. And because this is God's word, more than anything we come to, we can know that this is always 100% true. We don't have to think about, is this true? And so I, what I want to spend some time now doing is, is I, I want us to be able to think about God's word like God thinks about his word. Or even think about it the way the Bible talks about itself. And it does this through kind of a series of, of analogies or metaphors, and I, I want to kind of go through those quickly here. Uh, the first one of these is God's Word is a sword, Hebrews 4 12. I had to venture out of Psalm 119 a little bit because not all these word pictures are in there. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's Word is sharp. It cuts to the heart. It reveals true thoughts and intentions. It reveals the heart of the matter. If you've ever listened to a sermon or been reading your Bible or, or something like that and just felt like, man, this, this was written for me, or like, man, when Jeff was writing that message, he was thinking about me and just writing down what I wanted, needed to hear, right? We don't do that. We don't sit and think of specific people like, oh, man, John needs to to hear this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a message for him, right? We don't sit in our offices and do that. That's you feeling scripture being a sword, right? It's piercing your soul. The Holy Spirit is using it to prescribe specific answers right when you need them. And so when you go to the word, are you expecting a little bit of heart surgery? Are you expecting to be uh, uh, God's, working in your heart are you kind of anticipating that praying for that are you hoping for that when you go to the word God's word is a hammer Jeremiah 23:29 is not my word like fire declares the Lord and like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces What is God saying here is he concerned about rocks and how hammers can break rocks no He's concerned about breaking up the our hard hearts our hearts of stone. The hammer of the word smashes our hard hearts and breaks through those barriers, those sin strongholds in our lives that we all have. We all have those, those areas. Are you coming to God's word, expecting for those sorts of things, those barriers to be crushed and to be worked on? Three, God's word is milk. 1 Peter 2.2, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Milk nourishes our souls. It causes us to grow up into salvation. It's how we mature, right? Like it is, think of it more like it is for for infants rather than milk is for adults, right? We've had a couple newborns in our house over the, the, the last couple of years. They go from... You know, a tiny little seven, eight-pound sack of potatoes, can't do anything, to a year old, they're running around and getting into all sorts of troubles and are speaking words and all that stuff. And they do all of that mainly through the nutrition of milk. And that's the, the sort of picture they're invoking here. Like, do you need God's word like that newborn needs milk? Do you, do you look to the word for the nourishment of your soul. Where do you first turn when you're, you're downcast or downtrodden? Is it to God's word? For God's word is light. Back to Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It gives us guidance. It helps us to know which path to take, which direction to go, helps us to discern which decision to make, to, to know right from wrong. Are you coming to the word to dictate the choices in your life, how you live, the authority for how you live? How are your decisions today influenced by God's word? Fifth, God's word is a mirror, James 1, 23 through 25. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets about a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. God's word reveals to us our true selves like a mirror. So I imagine for many of us, when you get up in the morning, one of the first things you do is look in a mirror. Maybe you shower and then look in a mirror. And I also imagine for many of us that have hair, that when you look into the mirror (laughs) and you see kind of bedhead or it's kind of just like doing whatever it wants, you look at it and you're like, nah, it's fine, and walk away. No, you look at it and you you do a little work. You, you look at it and you're like, this needs, a little, this needs a little work, right? So maybe you're shaving, maybe you're, you're combing your hair, maybe you've got straightener, curling iron. Uh, I can only imagine what that must be like. <laughs> right, but the point is you, you don't just look at it and go like, eh, you do something about it. And in the same way with God's word, is a mere revealing to ourselves the condition of our heart, and it confronts us with truth in some ways, maybe that we fall short. In some ways, maybe that we need some work. And are you looking to the word to learn some things about yourself? Maybe some things that you don't want to see or that are hard to see about your kind of current current state, current soul condition some blemishes, some sins, maybe some things that need some work? And are you hopeful to uncover those things as you read so that you can grow, that you can work on them? So we come to the word like the word says. The word is a sword, a hammer, a food, a light, a mirror. It's all of those things all at once. And so when we come to the word, come to it expecting it to function in these ways, anticipate it, look for it. So you pick it up, size it up, and then eat it up, eat it up. Eating the word involves kind of six parts. Now that you have actually picked up the Bible, your heart is prepared, the first step in eating it is actually reading it. And I've never found anyone who hasn't been, or who has been successful in in reading the Bible by just picking it up randomly in the morning and then just flipping to a random kind of passage to to read. You should have some sort of plan of what you're going to read. And if you don't have a plan yet, might I suggest the Bible reading plan we're doing together as a church? (laughs) And if a New Testament and Old Testament both seems too daunting or too big of a kind of gross step for you, it's, it's okay, pick one. Uh, or if you've never read the Bible on your own before, like ever, you know, maybe you start with John and start with just reading a few chapters a day, two or three chapters a day, or 15 minutes, something like that. Uh, it's harder to kind of get into the, or really size it up with less um, time than that. And even though there's no Uh, Thus says the Lord about this, I would kind of recommend as the ideal reading your Bible every morning. And I say morning just because, uh, you know, I have a job, I have kids, family. Uh, It's hard once the day gets going to stop and to get back into the Word. And you might think, but Jeff, our our Bible reading plan we're doing together as a church is is five days a week. Like, what are you you doing? That's, That's not every day. And I think uh, that is, let me rephrase this, I'm less concerned about the sort of legalistic, I am in God's word every day, kind of checking a box. Box, as I am mostly concerned with that you're regularly having that time with God and hearing from God and establishing a sort of regular rhythm of being in God's Word. So, having a plan where there's a a little bit of wiggle room where you can, can miss a day or two and still read all of God's Word in a year, then I'm excited for that. So, whatever your plan is, whether it's this one, whether it's every day, whether it's something else, have a plan and actually do it. Actually pick it up and read it. And as you read it, question it. Don't just read the word, but really try to uncover truth and apply it. Ask yourself questions as you're reading. And so if, if you don't have questions yet, um, I will once again recommend SPEC, which I've mentioned before in, in a couple of messages and so all, and by all I mean Liz is going to put it up here for us. Um, and you can go ahead and put all of them on there uh, so that they have uh, time to write it down. Um, Liz has graciously put this all all up here for us. These are the kinds of questions you can ask yourself while you're reading the Bible to kind of get more from it, right? There's examples in the Bible of sins to avoid, right? Wisdom is, is seeing someone else sin and, and knowing where that leads and not having to kind of try it out yourself. There's promises in God's word, right? And this book is filled with promises God has made to us to encourage us in our time of need. There's examples of godly people, and obviously the ultimate example of Jesus Christ that we can follow, I think this is what people most think of when they're thinking about applying the Bible. There's commands, right? There's things that should be done that shouldn't be done. There's there's principles for us. And most importantly, we learn about God and who he is and what he's done through the scripture. You can ask these questions as you read, and that will lead you to make it more practical for you. Those are the kinds of things that lead to change, to joy, and to growth. Don't just read it. Don't just question it. But plan it. I'm not talking about planning what you're going to read. But now that you see some areas that you want to work on, plan what you're going to do about it. It doesn't have to be fancy. You could journal it. You could write a note on your phone. But have a strategy to deal with whatever that thing is. So maybe you're convicted. um, about anger, you saw an example of anger in the Bible. You're convicted about your anger. And you said, I'm going to, to, to discipline my kids out of love and not in anger. And so I'm going to pray before I discipline my kids every time. Or I need to pray more. I'm going to set a reminder to, to pray throughout the day. Or, or I need to work on my Bible reading, so I'm going to um, read it five days a week, hypothetically. Maybe I want to, to grow in Bible reading, but I need some accountability. And so maybe I, part of my plan as I'm joining this, this Bible cohort that we were talking about in the announcements that one of our elders, Eric Funke, is is uh, leading. Maybe one of those strategies in your plan is to memorize it. Maybe it's memorize it. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's memorized word is one of our one of our main tools or weapons against the temptations of the enemy when jesus was in the wilderness and satan literally came to him and tempted him what did jesus do in response how did he resist the temptation he recalled memorized scripture So whatever you're struggling with, whatever temptations uh, you are tempted by, God has given you his word to fight that fight. Memorize it and then pray it. When you see these things about who God is and see what he's promised you, that's fuel for our prayers. Pray his word back to him. Sometimes people say, I don't know what to pray. Great, I have a Great idea for you. Just whatever you're reading, pray about that. Pray those words, and you know that you'll be on the right track. And last but not least, we share it. When we're excited about something, right, a new movie, uh, a new recipe, uh, a gadget you found, a parenting hack, an accomplishment that you did, uh, a funny reel on Instagram, right? What do we do with funny reels on Instagram? We share them, right? <laughs> we share them. And similarly, it's, and it's natural for us to do that. Similarly, it will be natural for you when you're growing, when you're learning things from God's word, and you're finding all these different applications to share it with others, right? Your spouse, your family, your friends, that unbelieving coworker. Not for you, but so that they may be encouraged in their growth as a way of kind of testifying to them. That's how we meditate on God's word all day. We pick it up, we size it up, and then we eat it up. And after all of that, you might ask, why does this have such power? to save, to give wisdom and joy and discernment and all of these things. And it's because this is not primarily a set of rules or a set of moral guidebook or a collection of wise sayings. It's primarily about a person, God. And it's how we learn of his redemptive plan for us. It's how we learn about Jesus, that he came to save us from our sins. It's how we can respond with a heart of thankfulness and joy. It's how we hear from God, and it's part of how we worship him. For, For better or for worse, we become like what we worship. And you can worship the right thing or you can worship the, the wrong thing. This is part of how we worship God. All right, we were saying before, we want to be like God. We want to be like Christ. This is part of how we do that. And we want to be more loving, more humble, more joyful like him. The power is in God's words and how they reveal him to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your word. We confess that so often we we value other things above being in your word. Helps to seek Jesus through your word and experience the everlasting joy that's only found at your right hand. Give us the faithfulness by your spirit to regularly engage with your word and pursue our relationship with you. And I just ask for um, your, your work to be done in our hearts, to change our hearts and soften our hearts, to desire that more and to value you more and to value your word more. We pray uh, as we finish just that we would worship Worship you in that, in that truth and in that knowledge and that joy. And we ask all these things in the name of your Son. Amen.